0: Welcome to Room to Breathe, where you can inhale a spirit-filled thought that will inspire you to be at cause for positive actions and force you to exhale everything slowing you down from moving forward. When your back is up against a wall, remember to always create room to breathe. Welcome back to Room to Breathe, where we're looking at the space in our lives between our maximized potential and our limits But we realize that breathing room Could be the difference that provides The peace that we need to make it Another day I am Jesse Watson Jr. And I'm glad that you made it back Here with us for another week Remember you can always catch us Every Sunday at 9am Central Standard Time And again at 4 Also on Wednesdays right here at I need a Word You can also catch us on the TuneIn app As we said before, I need a word. And anywhere that you get your podcasts, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So this week, we're looking at, you know, what is the trigger for this week? And the trigger for this week is fear. And what is fear? You know, how does it affect us and how do we get over it? So that's our trigger, our exhale, our, our inhale moment. What is it? How does it affect us and how do we get over it? And so we'll just call it our deepest How about that? This week's scripture that we're going to lean on is 2 Timothy 1 and 7. It says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You know, when I was working in corporate America, I saw this movie. Plenty of probably seen it before, Coach Carter. And there was a scene in the movie where a young man just spit the lyrics of this poem, and it really hit me. So I went and looked it up and I realized that it was by Miriam Williamson. And I printed that poem out and I put it on the wall when I was working in corporate Miracle, like I said, because I looked at that every morning. After I would get in, i pray, you know, do my devotion, kind of get myself together. And i look at that poem to kind of help me keep myself in check. So I want to share that poem with you. The poem simply goes like this. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate, Our deepest fear is that we are more powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your plain smile does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightening about shrinking so that other people won't feel unsure around you. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it is in everyone. As we let our own light shine, we consciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. So that poem really did something for me. It really sparks something in me every day to really remind me how to walk and kind of live without being so fearful of different things, new things, that type of stuff. So as we jump into this week's show, we start off with when you hear the word fear, exactly what is it that comes to mind? And for many, it might be a lot of different things, say scary movies, right? Being home alone, being out late by yourself, losing a job, being attacked, uh, spiders and any other dreaded creatures, bugs that are out there. There's a lot of different things that come to mind. However, most of us don't think about God when it comes to fear. Most of us don't think about that. So today, we will explore the thought. At least a little bit and hopefully get ourselves on track to a new mindset. So now there are so many odds that are against us that we must spiritually and mentally be in the right position to keep pressing towards the mark. So what is fear? So I went and pulled up Webster's Dictionary. So Webster's going to help us today. It says fear is feeling. Fear is a feeling of alarm caused by the expectation of danger, pain, disaster, or the like. Fear is a feeling of alarm caused by the expectation of danger, pain, disaster, or the like. So in other words, fear is when you expect something bad to happen to you. Wow. is when you expect something bad happen to you. That's our trigger. So in saying that, it causes you to panic or freeze up in many different situations because that's what fear can do. And sometimes this pause in our lives keeps us stagnant for so long that fear becomes the norm. So I want to look at how we deal with that today. So here we have the Apostle Paul because we're talking about Timothy, sharing his thoughts, with Timothy, that's that's his mentee, because he knows how Timothy feels right now in this moment. See, Paul is in a Roman prison, and he's written his letter to Timothy, and at this time, he knows that he's close to his demise. He feels it, and Timothy feels the same way. He understands that his mentor, his father in the ministry, is about to meet his demise. At least he feels the way. Why? Because he's convicted as a follower of Jesus Christ. And Timothy will have the responsibility now of carrying the torch on his own. So it's something that he's not used to. So Paul wanted to encourage Timothy in his faith and remind him of what was truly important. What was the mission at hand? What do you have ahead of you? So now can you picture Timothy reading this letter over and over again. For these were the last words of his mentor. This was it. He didn't get anything else. And got to keep in mind, he was reading a letter that Paul had already written from prison. So the key factor here is that Timothy didn't have the option of even saying no. like, hey, wait a minute, time out, pause. I don't know if I'm the one. Hey, can we get somebody else? Can you give me a little bit more time? He didn't have the option to even do that. He didn't have the option of saying no. So now watch this. At first, Timothy was extremely fearful because in this moment, who wouldn't be? But he was fearful because of his age, because the elders in Ephesus at the time, they looked down on him because of his age. He was so young. So this caused him to be ineffective in correcting some of the problems in the church of Corinth Paul sent sentiment. So fear set in because he felt inadequate. He felt like he couldn't do it. Now watch this, this is a glimpse of the future of Timothy. Timothy experienced growth in the spirit because he chose to follow God. He chose God over what he was fearful of. And as a result, he was elevated to be an awesome pastor. So how did we get that? What what did that looks like? Well, first, let's start at the beginning. Fear will paralyze you. So if you must fear, guess what? Fear the Lord if you must fear. So now let's look at how fear paralyzes you. Because at the end, we're talking about our triggers and what we need to exhale, what we need to get out. Once fear sets in, it takes control. And more than anything, it's hard to shake because now... You have given the enemy power over you. See, fear is giving power to something greater or respect to something greater than you. So let's think about it. Are there things that are actually greater than you? Are there things that you fear that are greater than you? Regardless to your answer, watch says nothing is greater than God. Nothing. See, God has not given us the spirit of fear. That's what the text says. So what does that mean? By definition, the spirit is basically the will. Now, if I had time to break it down, I would. I'm sure some of the theologians, they'll go back, they'll fact check it, what have you. But the basic definition of the spirit is, is really the will. And I shared this before that your will is your mental ability to carefully choose your next course of action. So in essence, God has not given us the mental ability to choose to be alarmed because we expect danger or pain. Wow, he didn't give us the mental ability to choose to be alarmed because we expect danger or pain. That came from somewhere else. Now watch this, follow me. 1 Chronicles twenty-eight and 20. David said this to Solomon, his son. He said, be strong and courageous and do the work he's very specific be strong courageous and above all man just do the work don't be afraid or discouraged for the lord god my god is with you not just the lord god my god is with you he will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the lord is finished So here, David is saying to his son Solomon, man, don't be afraid of your assignment, which was what? To build the temple. He said, man, don't be afraid. See, David had the vision to build the temple, but watch this. God gave Solomon the assignment. (laughs) David had the vision, but God gave his son Solomon the assignment. How many times? Have you been given an assignment by God, but fear stopped you, a cause, a delay? I really want you to stop and think about that. You've been given an assignment by God, but fear stopped you, a cause, some type of delay. See, God says through David, don't fear. Instead, what? Get to work. That's what David said. Like, again, we said David was talking in verse 20. But watch this. God gave the command in verse 8. So Solomon is already stagnant. He's already behind the eight ball. Already. But watch this. Solomon learned that concept so well that he was the one that gave us Proverbs 1 and 7. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And whatever you do, don't be a fool. Be open to wise counsel, please, and instruction. The word is saying that if you are going to fear, man, then fear the Lord, because it is the beginning of knowledge. Being conscious, fearing the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So look at this. In our everyday life right now, we have alarm companies like Vivint and ADT. right, And that's a good thing, because the alarm that goes off gives us a warning of coming danger. Whenever that the wires trip, whatever it is, it gives an alarm, a warning, a coming danger. And it puts us in a position to make decisions while automatically alerting the proper authority who has the power to protect us from danger. That's what these alarm systems do. They give us an alert so we can make a decision while at the same time they are alerting the proper authority who has the power to stop that, shut things down. So watch this, this is how God works too. When a potentially dangerous situation surfaces, your body sets off an alarm, even before fear kicks in. Watch how we break this down. You know that you're there because you begin to question your ability to handle the situation. That's doubt, you begin to question your ability To handle the situation. That's the alarm in your body going off. Right then. And it isn't until you determine. That you are inadequate. To deal with that fear. That you are inadequate. To deal with whatever it is. That fear actually sets in you. That's when it says. And when you determine. That you are inadequate. Because we're lining up with the definition. So watch this. When you know God for yourself. And once your alarm goes off, before fear sets in your body, naturally alerts the proper authority. God is already alerting. Who can, without a shadow of a doubt, handle and will handle your alarm? God. So fearing God is just the tip of the iceberg. It launches you into trusting God and understanding his power. So now, what are we saying? Man, you have to learn how to trust God and His Word to get the power. Now that we're inhaling, you we got to be able to learn. In essence, Paul was telling Timothy that if he had trust in God to accomplish his mission, he just needed to trust Him and he could accomplish his mission. No one or nothing signifies power like God. So let's think about it real quick. Who made the heavens and the earth? Who created man from dirt? Who raised man from the dead? God. So no one has power like God has power. But in order to get access, you have to trust God and his word. So follow me, Joshua 1 and 8. He said, man, do not let this book of the law depart. From your mouth But meditate on it Day and night So you may be careful To do everything Written in it And you will be prosperous And successful So this verse Sets the foundation For the formula For success In anything That you do Trusting in God Who has all power Puts you in a position Where you don't have to fear So trust in God And staying in his word Living his word Be his word and be obedient to his word. And there is nothing that you can't do. See, Joshua Joshua 1 and 8 is like like a homework assignment. There is something that we must do in order to experience success. However, as you know, many of us, whether we admit it or not, a lot of folks don't like to do homework. Because we know our children don't like to do homework. We want somebody else to do the work, and we just get the information from them. Or better yet, we just take credit for something that they've already done. But watch this. When when it's time to take the test, we're prime candidates for failure because we didn't study the information for ourselves. That's why it's important to just do the homework. So then what happens? We have to take the test again until we pass it in order to get to the next level. So that is what fear does. It puts you in a position where you feel unable to overcome anything. So now, look at this. Look at God in this situation. Because it's the same way. It really is. When you study in school, and you show yourselves approved, you graduate, which puts you in a position of power. The word of God is very simple. It's the same way. Watch this, look at Genesis, Genesis 46, three and four. God is saying, don't be afraid to go to Egypt. That's what he's telling his people. Don't be afraid to go to Egypt. I know what y'all been through. As a matter of fact, I promise, I will make you a great nation. And most importantly, I will be with you all the way, if you just trust me. God is basically saying, I will give you authority That's what he's saying. But we just got to get to the point of trusting him. And this takes me back to a point from last week's show. If we accept Jesus Christ, then we can get to a place of understanding his love. Understanding what loves look like, what love is. God is not only saying that he will give us authority, but he will support us as well. When you really think about it, don't you have to have Love for someone in order to really support them, no matter what it is that's going on, no matter what it is that they're doing. I mean, it, you got to have some level of relationship, some kind of love. Otherwise, you're not going to spend the time. So, watch this John 3 16. We all know it. God shows his love by giving us Christ. And most importantly, according to Romans 5 and 8, it says, Christ demonstrates his love for us. By dying on the cross for our sins. And he had nothing to do with our sins. But he did it anyway. He gave up all. That's love. That's what love's look, that's what love looks like. When we start talking about that, that support, that's what love looks like. In order to get to God's full support all we have to do one of the major things that we have to do is accept jesus christ as our personal lord and savior romans 10 9 is in the word he says that he will be with us even until the end so in other words jesus is saying man if you receive me in your life you have a friend for life you have support you have somebody that's going to be there with you no matter what so what does that mean for us That means that we need to recognize that the Holy Spirit will keep our minds righteous. So how does that kick in? Well, look at this. 2 Corinthians 3.17, what does it say? It says this. Whenever God is there, wherever God is, I'm sorry, wherever God is, there is liberty or freedom. So what is freedom? Freedom is liberation from slavery or restraint. Are from the power of another That's what the definition says But it's freedom from that You are under the power Of another Not God when you're dealing in fear Because when you're with God It says he will give you all that He will make all things Possible So simply put it means To free your dome That's the way I like to look at it Free your mind Because freedom is a state of mind At the end of the day once you get to a mental position of freedom, you have a sound mind. Who gives you that? I Man, God gives you that. God gives you that through the Holy Spirit. So the word says where the spirit or the will of the Lord is, there is liberty. So look at Galatians 5, 16 and 17. It says to live by the spirit. That is a direct command from God. He also gives a promise by saying you won't fulfill your flesh if you are in God. You won't fulfill your flesh if you are in God. So there's nothing to fear that if you are in God. If the fear of God is greater than whatever it is that you're dealing with. It doesn't mean that you won't fall. However, you won't stay down. That's what that means. It don't mean you won't fall, but you won't stay down it is the power that we give to our enemy that causes us to expect danger I want to make sure we're clear on that it's the power that we give to our enemy that causes us to expect danger and if you are not in Christ you make a fleshly decision about everything that pushes you further away from your desired position so watch this Power is having God's authority and operating in it. That's what power is for us. It's having God's authority and operating in it. Love. Love is simply support. We stated that a few minutes ago. It is because of the love of Christ he says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So we are never alone in all that we do, Christ is right there with you. He's right there with us saying, man, you can do it. Keep going. Don't stop. When it comes to having a sound mind, that's just having assurance, having assurance with the Holy Spirit within us. We know for sure that God is with us, but we have to accept it. But having the Holy Spirit, we know for sure that God is with us. That's assurance. The Bible says that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We locked in. We sealed. That's a covenant. My deepest fear is doing wrong by God when I know better. If I can just be honest. Why don't most people, why don't most of us, especially Christians, act like it all the time? Why? Because fear is what, we're fearful of what people think about us and the categories that they place us in. That's why. I accept the power. I accept the love and I accept sound mind. But watch this. If you accept the power, love and sound mind, then you make room for a miracle. Why don't people serve God? And believe in Christ and the Holy Spirit because man fear what he doesn't know so what does that mean we need to take the time to slow down and get to know have some relationship with him your deepest fear should be living without a relationship in Christ that should be your deepest fear if you know Christ then you your fear should be allowing The flesh to make decisions that the spirit should. If you know Christ, that should be your fear, allowing the flesh to make decisions that the spirit should. Watch this. So I talked before about being homeless. And so now I'm going to go through it for a second. You know, back in 1997, really it was before then, but officially documentation, I was diagnosed with narcolepsy. Now, narcolepsy is uncontrollable sleep attacks. There's no cure for narcolepsy. It's uncontrollable sleep attacks. So your body will shut down, fall asleep at the drop of a dime. I call them episodes. I may have had episodes anywhere from, you know, 30 seconds, give or take, to three days. I remember being in a wedding. After the wedding, reception came. I passed out, woke up three days later. So it's crazy, but it's uncontrollable sleep attacks. There's nothing that you can do. I remember one time driving. This is one of the many times that I I wrecked my vehicle, but it was probably the one that really shook me the most. I remember turning on my street because I stayed in a little townhouse. I remember turning on my street and it was a long street to get to my gate. And all I remember is there were some kids on the left-hand side playing on the sidewalk. And that was this car on the right-hand side parked in the street. Now I blanked out, just boom. And when you have these episodes, you don't remember anything. You don't feel anything while you're in the episode. So I blanked out, I passed out, went to sleep. I remember waking up and my car was slowly rolling. And I looked in the rearview mirror and the kids to the left were still playing. But that car on the right was towed up. And I was like, man, that car towed up. So I got to my gate and I turned to go into my gate and I heard this noise on my vehicle. And so I got on and looked and my vehicle was total. Come to realize, as I fell asleep, by the grace of God, the car went right and not left. So the children, thank God, it went right. But I towed that man's car up. I remember to this day, his name was Gustavo. I had to go find him. So I could give him money to fix the car. Tore his car up and totaled my vehicle because I passed out. I literally fell asleep. And that was one of the many times that I had wrecked my vehicle because I wrecked my vehicle a few more times and got to the point where the doctor labeled me as totally disabled. He said, look, you need to take this ritlin," And I was taking like some six, seven pills three times a day, every day. And then I had to take Claritin and Xantac as uh, a method to fight the side effects of the Ritalin. So I'm taking some five hundred some pills a month. So of course, it ain't really much that I can do. So eventually, being labeled as totally disabled, I lost my job. Go figure. And soon after that, you know, the rest of the rest of the cards were to fall. My roommate at the time. I remember leaving, coming back, he bailed out, took everything, left nothing but what belonged to me, which really wasn't much, really wasn't much at all. I remember getting my car repossessed and had to get help from somebody, of course, to get my vehicle back eventually. And then I remember going to a trip with um, my mentor at the time, Del Zeno, Del Zeno Wilson Debianna. He paid for me to get on the bus to ride to California. And I went to California, and I, we was at the World Literacy Crusade. It was at an event where they were there. And Dr. F. Freddie Johnson was speaking. I remember like it was yesterday, and he was talking about Ritalin, by chance. And it really wasn't by chance, it was by design. God knows what he's doing. And in that conversation, he talked about how Ritalin was billion a billion-dollar-a-year industry. And it hit me, I was like, a billion dollars a year? man, I don't even have money to keep paying for these subscriptions. What am I going to, prescription, subscription, look at me, prescription, what am I going to do? And so what I decided was, man, when I get back to Houston, I'm done, I'm quitting, I'm going cold turkey. Now, that ain't something that you're supposed to do. Because, of course, Ritalin could have the same effects, really almost as bad on cocaine. It's it was a really addicting type drug because it's supposed to be a stimulant, for folks like myself that had narcolepsy but it's supposed to be a depressant for folks who may have had add adhd so i always question how does the drug know what to do but anyway 1999 i come back and i was like man i'm done i'm not taking these pills no more so a year and a half goes by i lose my job i was working at mci at the time i lose my job short-term disability kicking in And before you know it, they said, you're done, you're out. I filed for Social Security, I was denied because I was so young, early 20s. It's like, man, we don't see a physical disability, so we're not, no, we're not giving you any benefits. So here I am, no benefits, no job, no support whatsoever. I mean, I'm in a crazy place where nothing but fear sets in. And I remember sitting in my living room and I had the audacity to have a conversation with God and say, look, either something is about to change or you're about to take me out. And obviously God has a good sense of humor because here we are having this conversation, right? So God spared me. He, He gave me opportunity of a lifetime to continue to experience this thing called life. So I was kicked out, evicted from my place and I went homeless. And I went homeless for the better part of a year and a half, almost two years. My LB, two of my LBs at the time, Val Keith and Chris, it's like, Man, whenever you're on this side of town, you can come crash on the couch whenever. Here go a key, you're good. And that, that that did wonders for me, for real. It really did. And in that time, I experienced ministry. I mean, I've been reading it. I grew up in the church. My grandfather was a preacher, so I've been in ministry, I've been involved around ministry, but I was actually in ministry at that moment. I was a part of the crew in LOC, Christ Receiving the Everlasting Worship and Ladies of Christ. And what we did was we stepped, uh, we sang, uh, we put on plays. I mean, we did a whole production, anything we could to capture the attention of young folks and get them excited about having their own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's crazy because I'm going around the city and going around the country, speaking life into other people's situation. And here I am homeless. We get back. I don't really know for sure where I'm going, especially if I don't crash at my LB's house. And So God began to move in my heart and in my mind. But watch this. I chose God. I chose the fear of God. I chose what God can do for me and what, what I needed to do for myself versus being caught up and stagnant in the fear of what if and what is. I, I didn't get caught up in the danger of all that stuff. I was like, man, I'm gonna have the audacity to trust God. I've been reading it, I'm gonna walk in it, and I'm just gonna see what this thing is gonna do. So one day, one of my other LBs, Jamal Myers, he gave me a call and he was like, look, man, me and my wife, his wife at the time, we just bought a house. And we're not asking you, we're telling you that you're coming to stay with us. We got a room for you. And so that's one of those look at God moments, right? And so I went ahead, obviously, I accepted. They didn't want anything from me, but man, I, I did everything, clean up, whatever it was I needed to do until I got to a place we can make money. My first little job, my brother, William Thomas, um, working with with his dad, gave me Bubba Thomas, the great jazz musician, uh, Houston Jazz Festival, Summer Jazz Workshop, Houston International Jazz Festival, gave me opportunity to do a little bit of work and make a little bit of money. So things began to look up, they really did. And so I moved in with my LB and, and life began to change for me. And I began to shift now from being homeless to being able to get up and get started while all of this is going on, I'm still labeled as totally disabled. Till this day, the doctors have never changed that status for me, but God did. And what I realized in that moment was, if you change your mind, man, you can change your life. And that's what I chose to do. I chose God versus my fear. I chose my fear of God and not stepping up and not living in the word that I said I believed, that I said I stood on, that became more of a fear. It was a healthy fear. So I began to choose God and began to walk in it and things opened up for me. In those moments when I was homeless, that's when I met my wife. And we just made 18 years married, 23 years together, four children, two in heaven. God is good. All because I changed my mind. I changed my life. I chose him. I chose not to operate in my deepest fear. I lived what everybody is fearful of living. Being at the bottom. Having nothing. Being homeless. I've already lived it. That whole idea of being prideful. That's gone for me. Plus, I understand clearly that pride comes before destruction. I've lived it, so I'm no longer there. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is we all have to get to a place where we embrace the light. You have to accept the power within you and use it. Receive the Lord as your own personal Savior. Receive Jesus Christ. Receive the love of Christ who wants to help you, especially In your time of need, and allow the Holy Spirit to be your conscience, to be your guide, and keep your mind in order. He says, "Man, I protect your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus." You just got to get to the place where you accept it and walk in it. It is at that point you will no longer be stagnant, but actively using the authority in you with all of the support you need and with the assurance that you can do whatever you put your mind to. Whenever you find yourself in a situation where that alarm goes off, recognize. When you have doubt, recognize that's that alarm going off. And before fear kicks in, you need to step back and create room to breathe and say, okay, you know what? I choose Christ. I choose to be more fearful of not following, not accepting, not walking in any, Him, than anything else that could possibly come my way. Look, I wish you the best. I pray that this was a blessing for you. It was definitely a blessing for me to be able to open up and share. Look, if you need to reach out to us, you want to get in contact. The best way to do it, you can shoot me an email, give you my basic email address. It's Watson, T as in Tom, W as in Watson, G as in God, jwatson, T, W, G, the number five, at gmail.com. That's the best way to reach out. If you want to have any questions, you want to do some invites, you have some ideas about the show. You have some critiques. You have some ideas about what we can do better. We're open to it. And just remember, you can, again, you can always find us here at I Need to Wear Radio every Sunday, 9 a.m. Central and 4 p.m. on Sundays and on Wednesdays. We look forward to visiting with you, you visiting with us again. We thank God for you, and I wish you the bless. God bless.